tied for the most terrifying day of my life. I was what? Every other freaking day of my life. <laughs> How are you doing, you wonderful nerds? Scott here, and this is day five, I think, of Month of Monsters. We're watching Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed every single day this month of October. I don't know why I'm doing this to myself, but I am, and already I've lost track of days. But I think it is five. Anyway, I have a guest today, as always, but this one is a different one. Ooh. His name is Griffin. How's it yes, going? I'm doing great, man. I'm so glad to have that you had me on here uh, talking yeah. Monsters Unleashed, one of the greatest films of the early 2000s, if I'm being honest. just You know... I'm glad that you say that because you might be one of the first guests who who has said that. I don't know if you're being sincere or really? sarcastic, but I'm going to say that I want you to be sincere. You know, you it's that. up to the uh, it's up to the audience. It's for them to decide what how I feel about the movie, and I'm sure they'll figure it out as we as we, as we uh, relish it in sure. it. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's funny because you know you told me about this, and I'm like, holy crap! I have not watched that movie since I was I'd been like, I don't know, like. Ugh, man, like what? 2004? Yeah, probably since I was in elementary school. That was probably the last time I watched this film, um, along with the 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 original one too. And so I did a double feature Sunday night. I went back to back. I was like Scooby Doo, and then boom, going on to Monsters Unleashed. Um, probably one of the greatest choices I've ever made. <laughs> it's almost as if discussing movies is something that you do a mm. lot frequently. Is yes, that, is that uh -huh. accurate? That's segue. Nice going there. Yeah. So, um, my name is Griffin. Uh, as you know, as uh, Scott said, and I run the Men vs. Movies YouTube channel where we basically do movie reviews. We have a bunch of podcasts on there. We've got uh, an Oscar season podcast that we just started up that we're very excited about. James Bond podcast, a whole bunch of stuff. And so it's basically a place where we just geek out about films. I review them, and I love to have a conversation with you all in the comments section. So that's what I do. And when I'm not doing that, I am uh, waving the, the, the flag here for the new Venom film um, because <laughs> that is, uh, well, as I was saying before the show started, he is a monster um, and he's unleashed. And after the reactions from last night's premiere, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited, but not in the way you might think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's exciting. Uh, I was actually, I had a previous guest on and we were discussing how the, the tar monster in this is like kind of, uh, Venom-esque yeah. in the way that it like wraps around people and very uh, yeah. very symbiotic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, I don't know. I huh. so the first question that I usually ask people is if they've seen the movie before, but you already answered that. Way oh, to yes. throw my whole game off my rhythm. That's my job, you know. That's my what job you're here is for. To, to come in here, wreck shit up. Uh, can I swear on here? Is oh that okay? yes, that's okay. totally fine. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, wreck shit up, just like throw a curveball at you, completely throw your plans off the rails, um, and it looks like I'm doing that, so we're, we're already off to a good start Job here. well done. I, so, would you say that, like, how, how much of it is, like, I don't know, did your perspective change seeing it again? Did you think it was better or worse than you remember, or did you uh, not remember it at all? I mean, like, I, to be honest, I hadn't thought about the Scooby-Doo films since probably 
when they came out. Uh, the only thing I remember about it was owning the DVD, and it was like a slime green color, so it always stuck out. And I was just like, I thought it was like the coolest gimmick. And, you know, full transparency here. When I was a kid, I actually didn't hate these films. I found them kind of enjoyable, especially the second one. I liked a whole lot more for whatever reason on rewatch. That completely changed. Yeah. Uh, Oh, wait, never mind. Never mind. Take it back. I said thank you right before I heard the end of that sentence. Yeah. Well, on rewatch, that changed a little bit. I know. So here's the thing when it comes to these films, it's like you have to look at it as like you know they're adapting this really i mean they're adapting one of the most classic cartoons of all time scooby-doo and like they're they're kind of playing into like the the comic-ness of it i i don't know if that's even a word it's definitely not a word but i'm gonna roll with it and they're they're, they're like really playing hey i've heard that word before (laughs) but like they play into it and and i feel like you know it's kind of in this weird realm where it's like it's it's being so distinctly you know Scooby Doo, but it's like also drenched in this like sauce of the early two thousands. <laughs> I'm just like, oh man, this is a weird mixture. It is. It's just yeah. The thing, something we've discussed so far a lot on on this podcast is like sure. trying to figure out the like the era of of when this movie takes place because yeah. it, it is very like 60s 70s aesthetic but obviously the technology is like way in the future and- what, it's so weird man and like i you know for all the the, the problems that these movies have which i i, I mean we're probably not even going to dive into them because it's just like they're so glaringly obvious but like it you know the, the one thing that this film got right was the casting i think the casting across yes. the board was spot on especially matthew lillard it and Ugh. he is just like pitch perfect as shaggy and i think even more so in the first one than he is in the second one but the second one weirdly enough has my favorite gags with him and scooby yeah like what um well i mean when they're like doing the whole potion thing and he gets like fucking jacked and he's like (laughs) i'm like it's so like caveman humor dumb but like it I, i don't know it was just really funny because of how he sold it and then you've got like the you know Einstein Scooby-Doo and I'm just like what mm-hmm. what is this movie like what are we watching right now <laughs> yeah like and, and I, I will say I agree with Matthew Lillard just does so much fun physical comedy in this like he he was like I am all in whatever you need me to do yeah. I'm gonna crank it up to a 15 like that's yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> well it's like the thing it's like everyone I, I mean and you could especially you can see the dip in interest from the rest of the cast from the first to the second one not that they were super interested interested in the first one but it was just like in the in the second one it's like the rest of the cast is just kind of like going through the motions but then you've got Matthew Lillard who arguably is like dialing it up even more so in the second one and it's just like well you know at least he's having fun with it (laughs) yeah it really does feel like it because yeah I don't know I I haven't seen the first one in a, a year maybe i'll have to rewatch it sometime this month i think you should probably you should have an episode where you go back and you rewatch the first one and the second one yeah. because like i will say that i i prefer the first i mean only by like a smidge i mean they're they're both pretty equal um but it, like even though i prefer the first and like kind of i i feel like it's a little bit more palatable and just like there's it's pretty consistent across whereas like in the second one i think there's like these slight lulls but in the second one i feel like the story 
almost makes a little bit more sense. Like it's it's actually more of a plot as opposed to just like a series of ridiculous like Temple of Doom shit that's like going on. Yeah. It makes even less sense than it does in the second one. Yeah, because you were saying that it felt really dark. The the f- oh my god, yeah. yeah, I know. I messaged you and I was just like, well, first of all, you know, we all know James Gunn wrote the scripts for these films, which yes. is it's kind of weird because looking back on it, you're just like. Wow, yeah, his uh, his fingerprints are definitely all over this, and especially the first one, because the first one is so stupidly dark for <laughs> a film that is a live action adaption of Scooby Doo. Like, with, it's just, and it's supposed to be a kids movie, but it's like this weird, warped James Gunn version of a kids movie, and yeah. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit but um no it's it it's is bizarre. bizarre like it, it it feels like the the first movie feels much more i don't know it's got a different aesthetic about it it feels more um creepy and and yeah. spooky whereas this one feels a little bit more light and bright and and silly yeah. yeah yeah like i don't know there's something there is something kind of dark and a little disturbing of the about the the first one yeah for sure well and i, I think the first one i mean james gunn in the way he writes and the way he directs films is tends to be a, a pretty mean-spirited filmmaker. I mean, just look at a film like Slither and stuff like that. But Or, or even Guardians 2. I'll throw that one out there. I'm not a huge sure. fan of that film. And I think it is pretty mean-spirited. And I think you can see that come across in his writing in the first one. But then, like, in the second one, like you said, it's, like, so... It's a lot brighter. Um, it's just, it, like, very, like, carefree and just, like, oh, we're just gonna make a kid's Halloween film. That's got adult elements in it but like is i don't know it's a weird just like yeah it sits in a weird place because it's like it's too dark for kids at times but then like it's just too ridiculously immature for like adults (laughs) it really is it like it doesn't know where it wants to go where it wants to be but that's interesting that you bring up like the idea of it being kind of like a a mean-spirited vibe because I had a previous guest on the show that talked about how he felt like it was like these movies were um, Scooby-Doo movies written by people who don't like Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I would because it's like you could very easily do a Scooby-Doo um, movie, kind of like what they did with Riverdale, where you, um, and I don't know if you've seen Riverdale, but that's based oh, off yeah. like, okay, yeah. I actually really like the show. I know it's very like teen drama ish, but I feel like that's probably where it should live, just given the the characters and what they're doing. And they could have done the same thing with Scooby Doo. Granted, I know this is this came out way before Riverdale, but if they had taken that approach where and, and made it more of like a teen um, mystery drama, which I mean, there there have been films that have been coming out in that genre during that time. Like I. I, I mean, this is a few years later, but they did like a Nancy Drew movie, and I'm like, so they they there was clearly like a, a space for that, um, but yeah, they, they, it was totally like I don't even know how to, it. It's like they were like, okay, we have this property, Scooby Doo, we want to make it live action, um, just fucking go crazy. We don't yeah. care who <laughs> writes it. We don't care what happens. Doesn't matter. We need a movie. Yeah, to some capacity. Doesn't just, matter. Yeah, just make sure all of the characters are wearing the vibrant colors um, that they wore in the TV show. Because, mm-hmm. like, across the board, even in both films, 
their clothes stick out like a sore thumb. It is just ridiculous. Did you notice how in Monsters Unleashed, that their clothes, I think everyone except for Velma, wore Mystery Inc. branded clothes? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I saw, like, um, I think when, when Shaggy, like, shrunk from b- being that buff dude was the first time that I noticed, like, the M.I. on his sleeve. Yeah. Like, they have their own fucking headquarters. Like, they okay, do. which M.I. is this? Mission Impossible or Mystery <laughs> Inc.? Like, oh my god. It was absurd. And then Fred had the t-shirt on, and I was like... Yes. Did what? you notice? I, it took me so many viewings to notice this, but when Daphne is fighting the uh the black knight ghost she's wearing a shirt with her face on it that just says daphne no oh my god i know i didn't notice it either i i definitely did not notice that that is insane (laughs) oh it's incredible like like velma was the only one who i couldn't find anything but right i it's like what what are you trying to do like sell us merch after the show like what is this a concert uh have you seen the post-credit scene of this movie I I do remember seeing it a long time ago. I did not watch it upon this most recent rewatch. I just got to the the Ruben <laughs> stuttered like fucking yeah. you know uh, shining star thing. Yeah. <laughs> what was the what was the post credit scene? I don't the post credit scene was Scooby Doo playing on like a, a Game Boy or Game Boy Advance or something. Oh my god! Um, playing a Scooby playing the Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed video game, <laughs> and like. Scooby- Going to the audience, like showing the game to the audience and being like, you know, make sure to download the the secret code. And the secret code is SD2. <laughs> like, are you, you are a hundred percent serious. That is this, what it, this like- happened in, at the end of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this whole film was just a ploy to sell toys. Actually, it speaking is- of that, a ploy to sell toys. You know what these movies reminded me of? What's that? The Joel Schumacher Batman films. <gasps> yeah. Well, because like the, yeah, they're yeah. so car- they're so cartoony, but yeah. like it it works with Scooby because he is a cartoon. But yeah, like the right. Batman films were just like add in goofy sound effects here and like you know yeah. puns and yeah, oh. and they were just like complete ploys to sell merchandise and toys and like you know Christmas presents and stuff like that. Um, real quickly before we get back to the Joel Schumacher thing, you you said like the Scooby being like um like cartoony and stuff like that uh the first of all the i mean the effects are very dated on in this film which is to be expected but it's really weird that they decided to go with such a cartoony look for scooby in like a live action format like i know they did like the same thing with garfield like several years later that's right so weird but wasn't i never saw the garfield movies but like wasn't Odie like just an actual dog though yeah like yeah yeah, that's what i'm saying so weird (laughs) that that scene in monsters unleashed where like scooby is walking up the steps and he's like talking to actual dogs that are literally actual dogs it's like that same weird effect i'm yes. like what like what is happening here like this is such and a weird mishmash so a, a previous guest told me i don't know if you watched this on like i watched this on netflix that's how i watched it too okay yeah. i don't know if it's the same for you but those netflix doesn't display what those dogs are saying to me but apparently they are saying things if you like watch it in a diff like from like a dvd or you something know what like i do that. remember that as a kid they were like um like complimenting him or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was yeah. it was stuff like like sign my bowl and sniff my butt or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's exactly what it, yeah, exactly. And yeah. Like I even turned on the captions this time to make sure that I could see it and 
I, nothing still showed up. It was just dogs barking. Yeah. But it was, it was so frustrating. But I will say I got a ton of good inform, like new insights from turning on the captions and, uh, and oh, watching the I movie. bet you did. <laughs> I can't. Oh, man. Okay. My, one of my favorite things that I noticed was when, uh, when Patrick came over to the, you know, and, and like Daphne and, and Velma had their heart to heart about like, oh, I'm not hot. And it's like, just pretend to be hot or what, yeah. you know, like that whole thing. Put on my leather jumpsuit. <laughs> That's right. But when when it cuts to like them looking back at Fred and Patrick and they're toasting, I never noticed it before. But the captions tell me that they were toasting, quote, two museums. Two oh, museums. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. And I just yes, thought that was museums. so funny. <laughs> Holy crap. Well, let's talk about the fact that uh that Seth Green is in this freaking film. <laughs> Dude, he nails it though. He's I mean, so he's just, good. He's good, but it's just like he's just not even he's not even playing a character. He's just li- he just literally showed up on set and was like all right, fuck it. Let's just have fun. <laughs> I'm in this movie now. <laughs> yeah, and like, I I don't I can't like recount too much of it, but like, uh, I don't know if you listen to Dak Shepard's uh, podcast, The Armchair Expert. I don't. You should. It's it's phenomenal. Well, he had Seth Green um on a show, and of course they did without a paddle together, which I think Matthew Lillard was also in that film. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they were. I mean, they talked a lot about their experiences on that film, which is hysterical but like he also talked about scooby-doo a little bit it's always really funny whenever you get cast members from that film they're always just like oh yeah those films were a blast to to work on but man they were just not good no well it i i mean i've, I've watched some behind the scenes stuff for both of the the movies and like everyone i i just the set looks so much fun to be on like yeah you you look at these movies and they built these huge massive intricate super detailed sets to be in like yeah the first scooby-doo movie had that whole like lobby area that was massive and like they the monster attacks in there and like all sorts of fun stuff and it was beautiful this i think my favorite set had to have been the wickles manor where everything oh that was was awesome yeah every that was i mean going back to the joel schumacher or stuff just like the color palette that was, in there that was, was so right vibrant yeah, and, yeah yeah oh man no i agree i mean you know for all the faults that these movies have which you know they're they're mainly just being ridiculously cartoony um yeah. and nonsensical the the production design yeah they did a good job it fit it fit the aesthetic of you know what i think they were trying to go for even though i really have no idea what they were trying to go for um <laughs> but you like yeah like you said it was it was very it's very much in that joel schumacher batman just kind yeah. of like ridiculous extravagant colorful sets um yeah the the uh the um the black knight ghosts uh what what's his name again old man wickles wickles okay i thought it was wiggles and i was like that's (laughs) not right um yeah his mansion was great because it was very reminiscent of like you know the haunted mansion in disney world only with more colors and stuff like that and so you got like definitely that kind of vibe from it which was cool yeah, I. You know what else I noticed? Because I'm picking up on little details. They, they, the villain's layer is, um, it's. I don't know. It's not very recognizable from the outside. Because, yeah, yeah. like, I, I didn't. The first time we see like the the. the I can't even remember what they called it. It was called the, like the, the monster hut or something like that. I can't. Oh remember. yeah, the uh, it's like this weird like like closed down mining facility or something. Yeah, yeah, and it's 
I, yeah, I don't think it's visually recognizable as as much as like Wickles Manor was. It's like it has this cool aesthetic to it, but th- they tried to do this thing where they made it seem big and important. Where Wickles opens up the gate for uh-huh. the first time, and like the music, the, the score just swells into this grand. <laughs> like it almost sounds like the Avengers are being summoned. <laughs> like just like, and it's just Which, like, yeah. but, like there's no recognize. It just looks like a pile of nothing and like, i'm just here's like this conglomerate of of rundown metal yeah, just like objects. dark metal things and yeah. it's just like i don't is this supposed to be big and important it is doesn't seem iconic? that way did you yeah. rip this from like some obscure episode in like the 70s or something like <laughs> i don't know because like even the miniature that wickles was showing off about like his mining camp thing yeah like, that looked cooler to me like why not just have like that yeah why didn't the- they do yeah okay let's rework let's rewrite monsters unleashed why did they not just have like the the main showdown area be wickles's like theme park that he was trying to you know put yeah. together i've one it's more aesthetically interesting um and they could do a lot with it i think but then um you know it, it's also like it would probably give wickles like something else to do inside instead of being just like this throw away like it's it's so obvious that he's a red herring that it's just like bad (laughs) like there's there's no point to his character being there aside from like the encounter at the end when he like yells at mr blue from the incredible hulk (laughs) (laughs) and and they have that like weird exchange i'm just like like, okay so they shared a jail cell and he like tried to frame him but like it's yeah. so obvious that he's not the bad guy. So yeah, and he did after they confront him and he explains his plan about the <laughs> the mining thing. Like he just goes away for the rest of the movie until yeah, he until just becomes that irrelevant. Part. Yeah, yeah. Well, did you notice like at the beginning too that he's like just chilling in the crowd during the museum opening? Like he's just like yeah. off to the side of the background when they're like going when they're mm-hmm. like panning up the the staircase. Yeah, and like. That again was just a shot to be like, ooh, maybe it's this guy. It's this but guy, it's but it's not. like so obvious that it's not him because they made him so obviously sinister looking that it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, of course it's not him because this I, is fucking Scooby Doo. <laughs> I have so many questions about like that first museum scene yeah um, like i mentioned this before but i can't get over it the lightning strike that took out the window was that just a coincidence <laughs> first of all where did that come from exactly and then how <laughs> like, did the evil masked figure get on top of that like i that's what i want to see i want to see scooby-doo monsters monsters unleashed from the point of view of the masked villain Mm-hmm. From Which the I can't help but reporter. point. I can't help but point out the villain never got a catchy name like all the other ghosts did. It was no. evil. It was evil masked figure, and with the subtitles turned on, evil masked figure is all capitalized. <laughs> so you <laughs> know that that was actually the the villain's name. Yeah, they were just James Gunn was just writing it. And he's just like, and eh, fuck it, no one really cares about this guy, so we're just gonna I'm call him evil masked, masked figure. figure. <laughs> Yeah. Wasn't even, uh, well, I guess it is a guy. It was like a girl and then a guy. Yeah. Because it was Jonathan Jacobo. That's right. Parading then, around as, what was the reporter's name again? Heather Jasper Howe. Heather Jasper Howe, who is, oh my God, just her, I, I love how she like 
took like excerpts of what Fred said and would just like threw them out of context. <laughs> like this is a film that like portrays the media in such like a horrible way. Yeah, I was I, I was talking before about how I don't think this film would be able to make it through like would exist in its current state today if it was made today where like we have all this stuff about like you know fake news and the media yeah. like and then this movie is literally like yeah reporters are evil it's hilarious <laughs> like kind of like the weird like trajectory that has like happened where it's like this film is just like very clearly I, I don't know. I, I They clearly didn't know what was going to happen. No, how now. could they? <laughs> right, yeah. of course. But like it, the, the way that it kind of like parallels the fake news thing is just yeah. like bizarre. It's so interesting. Yeah. but And then that's also kind of like funny because then you can start just like looking way too deep into it. As a result, just like, oh, I wonder what other, like, you know, interesting little nuggets are in this film that, like, could pertain to today's society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, uh, oh, man, I don't know, like, friggin', I, I always felt like the line about, maybe it's just randomness, but the line about, like, the, like, him stealing what was it? Uh, Jacobo stole uh, Wickles tater tots in prison. I just felt like it was so, <laughs> was so bizarre. Was there like a period of cinema history where everyone was obsessed with the idea of like tater tots equals funny? Yeah. It was like, called the early two thousands in the late nineties. <laughs> yeah. Where I did, mean, yeah. I don't know about you, but dynamite like, come out. That yeah, was also right. 2004. It was the same yeah, year. It was the same year. <laughs> so clearly they were there just was like, like a time when everyone was like tater tots are funny, right? Yeah. It's like they're fucking hysterical and also delicious. And I'm like, okay, this is like, all right. I like, we're going back to like Ed, Ed and Eddie humor, which fine. <laughs> this is just, this movie is already like making absolutely no sense, but sure. We'll go for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I will say though. And like, <clears throat> excuse me from the opening, you really get a sense for this. So the, um, they do like the whole like typical like Scooby Doo intro with like the really like <laughs> we're like we're trying to be edgy, but this is clearly a kids like movie based off of a kids television show text. <laughs> um, yeah, and like the the score is actually pretty good. Like I thought that David Newman did a good job of like interweaving the Scooby Doo theme in like an interesting yes. way. I thought so too. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and, and, you know, I didn't expect for that to be one of the things to stick out to me upon rewatch. I thought it would have just had, like, a very generic, just, like, early 2000s kids movie score. But no, it, it actually, it's actually, like, pretty good. <laughs> it has it has a ton of uh, song choices that I feel like did not need to be in there. But, like, oh, the yeah. actual score of the film was really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, score, great. Soundtrack, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, the same thing with the first one, too. It's just, like, it has that early 2000s tinge in it. It's, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> Is that an era you wish that you could revisit? Do you want to go back in time and relive through that? Do I want the, time the, period? the frosted tip hair that Ned had? Oh, God, yes, I do. Yep, Ned's hair may have been the greatest uh, thing about this film. 
Even more so, if you go back to the first film and you look at fucking Freddie Prince Jr., he's got like these (laughs) these weird like I don't even know how to describe them. They're like the hippie glasses, but like they're in aviator format and they're like blue. They're like a light blue. Like you could still see his eyes through them. I'm like, and he's got like a puka shell necklace on on the island. Of course, yeah, you have to. (laughs) It's a rule. And then they play the pop punk version of the Scooby-Doo theme in both films, actually, I think. They sure do. Yeah. I don't, do you, who did that, that rendition? Do you know? It has to be like Simple Plan or something like that. <laughs> you know, I think you're right. I'm about to go look this up. Ladies and right. gentlemen, I'm going to look this up real quick. You, yes. It has to be like that because I'm pretty sure they also did the What's New Scooby-Doo theme song. And so they were like, something about these movies led them to being like, tied to the scooby-doo franchise or maybe i'm just kidding <laughs> did you look it up uh i i have it pulled up right now i think it is oh let me see where is oh it's not simple plan who is it it's mxpx mxp i don't even know what that is i've never heard of that band um but now everyone listening can go uh listen to mxpx and all their go early do that. scooby-doo glory but uh simple plan was on the album the, the album for the first film i don't know about the second one simple plan yeah. was on the album for the first film doing a song called guess what grow up grow up very simple plan and then uh <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep going back to the first film, but do you remember that um that fucking pool scene where Sugar Ray is literally having a concert? <laughs> How could I forget? I mean, like it's this film is legitimately a parody. Like I don't I don't even know like what like what the fuck they were thinking. <laughs> Uh, so I want I pulled up the Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed soundtrack. Oh, and beautiful! Yes, the first song is <laughs> "Don't Want to Think About You" by Simple Plan. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> Simple Plan equals Scooby Doo. That's they will forever be uh, linked together. They had. I mean, I'm looking at some of this other stuff that they had in here, and I don't remember most of these. Um, but there was Love Shack was on. I, do you remember Love Shack in this movie? I I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't at all. But that's you know, on I feel there. Like, it's like that that classic case of like the soundtrack where it's like, okay, so we'll play these songs in the film, but the rest of you, you could just have your songs on this album because it kind of fits. That's that feels like it. What what it must be because there was also Flagpole Sitta from Harvey Danger, and I don't remember that. I definitely don't remember that. <laughs> wow, this is so. Weird. I do remember. I think "Friends Forever" by Puffy Amiyumi was like when they were headed to Wickle's mansion. I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. This the soundtrack was all over the place. What the fuck is like? <laughs> it's just an absurd thing. Oh my god! The <sighs> music. The music is single handedly the the best reason to rewatch these films. <laughs> Paired with the speed ramps. I don't even know if there are any, but I'm assuming there are because it's, you know, 2002, 2004. Um, There there was a lot of different, like, there was weird places where they chose to go slow motion for no reason, I Mm -hmm, felt. mm -hmm. Um, Like, just for, like, a half a second. Oh, my God. There's, like, so much of that in, 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 like, both of the movies. There's just... (laughs) And it looks so bad, too. It does. And it's it's not meaningful. Like, that's... I don't know. Maybe... I I have to watch this movie for, for like, a whole month. So, (laughs) apologies to anyone if I'm getting, like, way inside of, like, analyzing this. (laughs) But, like, freaking... When you're telling a story in a 
visual medium and you're doing some like visual thing like adding slow motion it has to mean something yeah. it can't you can't just do it because like wouldn't that be cool because, <laughs> i don't know it's, uh. let's talk about the freaking flashback to when they're playing frisbee which is clearly supposed to be a touching moment, but I yes. couldn't help but think of uh, the end of Austin Powers Gold Member when like they all find out they're related and they're just like running up to each other in slow motion. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck? Oh god! Oh my god! It's in- it's incredible because. I mean, first of all, if we really want to dive into, like, analyzing it... Oh, please. How old is Scooby-Doo if, like, he survived, like... He's one of the oldest living dogs, I feel like, because these people are clearly in, like, their late 20s. Well, clearly... Uh, Yeah, right? (laughs) Although I will say it was a nice touch that I was was happy they didn't put, like, the, the regular cast in like young people clothes in like the <laughs> fucking well they were just, already like, trying i felt like well, yeah right <laughs> and, and, but like it, they actually looked like they were in high school they weren't just like these fucking like mid 20s 30 year old people parading around as high schoolers they, mm-hmm. they actually you know tried um as opposed to the first spider-man where joe maggianello literally looks like a 35 year old and is fucking flash thompson as a senior in high school <laughs> That's right. that is absurd <laughs> that is fucking mind-blowing and i just re-watched the spot the raimi spider-man trilogy so that's why that's like fresh in my head <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's incredible. No, I would, I, I don't know. There's a part of me that would really like that though, to be like, have Matthew Lillard just, cause you, there's not much else you could do to try to make him look younger, you know? Oh like, no. Yeah. He actually was really good in, um, I, yeah. But like, if you just put him in a scene where he's like, like I'm 14, like, <laughs> <laughs> like it would just be kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. I feel like at that point they would have to be doubling down on the parody elements Yeah, where it's like, true. there are times in the film where I'm like, you're kind of doing that, but then they go into these like more sentimental and emotional moments. I'm like, what? Like, what is everyone so upset about? I don't understand. Like, you're upset because the city is going to be destroyed. You never made that clear in the first place. <laughs> and then, like, Shaggy and Scooby, like, Shaggy and Scooby are the best parts about both of these movies. Um, yeah, and not just because they're like the most entertaining, but, um, you know take this with a grain of salt, they do have the most emotional arc. If you can even refer to anything in this film as emotional. Um, (laughs) But like (laughs) in the second one, it's like, Oh, we want to, we don't want to be screw ups. Um, And they kind of like play on that for a little bit, but then it kind of gets lost and then they like bring it back. And then they're just like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, I don't know. And then, yeah, because they try to give other people arcs. I think Velma has the, the next most clear arc of like she just yeah. she, she wants to she wants to impress uh patrick but patrick sees something kind of else in her and she wants to kind of like go into like she wants to pretend to be someone else to try and like i don't know it's like it's like her trying to she has like two kind of clear things number one is her trying to be comfortable as herself mm-hmm. and number two is her letting go of all like she's always trusting in facts and logic and reason but yeah, yeah she has to learn to also trust her heart sometimes so like kind of two separate things that try to get merged in together into one arc uh I, it doesn't it just it just doesn't happen i don't think i mean like the the trusting thing kind of comes to fruition like it kind of 
plays out because she's like, oh, this guy's evil. I trust the facts. And he's like, that really cheesy lie. He's like, what does your heart say? And I'm like, <laughs> what is you, Seth Green? That is like, <laughs> oh my God. Can I, can I talk about, this is something I've been waiting to talk about. That whole scene where she's almost like falling through the, the graded um, floor. Yeah. I have been hating on this movie criticizing this movie for not establishing things that I think should have been established better. The cotton candy glob should have been established better. He just just shows shows up. up. Now this will be a funny gag. (laughs) See, it's only upon watching this movie a thousand times that I caught little references. Like you can see him kind of in the background at the museum or when they go to the faux ghost, there's like two people arguing about how like a clown, a ghost clown is way scarier than a cotton candy glob. Oh my God. Like you don't pick up on those things unless you're watching it for 31 days in a row but the one thing that this movie made sure to establish constantly was that graded floor because fred when they first get on that base and like the ghosts come to life they're like fred shut down that thing and fred's up there on the graded floor and like his first step loosens the the grate so and so you're kind of just like Oh, that was weird that they chose to do that, but whatever. Mm. And then it comes back again with uh, with Velma falling through, uh, and then it comes back a third time, which is the ma- evil masked figure falling yeah. through, and yeah. that's how he, she, he gets captured. Interesting. So, like, that's the thing. That graded floor has more uh, nuance and established <laughs> tone of this movie than any than, than like the monsters you know, do. I, I, I think we're not looking into this film deep enough. You know, I feel like everything's really there. We're just we're just too stupid to see it. Yeah, only upon rewatching stupid. it thirty-one times can you really appreciate <laughs> Scooby-Doo Monsters Unleashed. That's exactly right. I like. Why would they not? They were in the museum at the beginning, mm. and they were just like even our most ridiculous foes, like Chickenstein here. They never use him. They unless, never use Chickenstein. Yeah. Guess who else is a ridiculous ghost? They could have put there the cotton candy glove. <laughs> <laughs> I think they just wanted to hear Velva say Chickenstein because she sounds like so, <laughs> like it's just so like nasally in her like her. I, I it's not like a bad thing. It's just like. I don't know. It was just very... Yeah, yeah. It's And yeah. then, because... And I looked this up after asking this question in a previous podcast. But, like, after that whole scene, uh, in the in the beginning of the museum, uh-huh. where, like, Velma delivers... This is, I think, her, her most Velma line that she has in the movie. <laughs> she discovers the pterodactyl scale, and she's like... <gasps> A reptilian scale. Yeah. <laughs> the most marvelous clue. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Like, you're, <laughs> this thing is like glowing with radiation. And first of all, you just pick it up and just like, oh, wow. Um, <laughs> and, second of all, the fact that you just know what it is. Like, I get it's Velma, but it's just like. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I looked it up. Pterodactyls did not have scales. <laughs> Thank you. There we so go. So the fact that she later, re- she like analyzed it and was like, it's a real reptilian scale. And <laughs> then it drives me crazy every time the the moment when she says like, it's a real reptilian scale. And then no one cares. They're just- like <laughs> they're talking about like, this is a real living ancient creature 
that that was that's extinct and then fred just goes like the immediate next line is fred being like that masked figure wanted to humiliate us and i'm like hold on hold on did you not hear what velma just said but you know what this this is just a continuation of fred's arc from the first one even though he supposedly learned his lesson in the first one it's continued on there he's so self-absorbed he doesn't care about dinosaur scales That's just the way it is. You know what? I got to give it to you. It fits with the character, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Fred, something that's really weird here um, that wasn't established in the first one and is like, is just kind of like thrown in there in this one is like Daphne and Fred's relationship. It's like, they're like so afraid of like being together in public, but like they never they don't like interact like they are a couple and then there's like other scenes where they do and i'm like okay this is very clearly because those two are married in real life and you just wanted to throw it in there but it's it's just i i I don't know they never like explore it at all and then they have that like weird moment together after she's fighting like the ten thousand volt ghost and he's fighting the fucking black knight after that jousting match which (laughs) We should get into that a little bit, but... Yes, um, please. (laughs) (laughs) They're just, like, having that moment together on the ground. They're like, so this is the end, huh? He's like, oh, yeah. And I'm just like, this is so melodramatic. What what is this? This is the... Yeah, like, they didn't fight the... Like, if they had said that line after a couple more minutes of fighting, then I'd be like, oh, I get it. Well, literally, that was... I'll give Fred credit. At least he jousted the the fucking knight. Daphne literally goes running into the ghost. Just to be like, jump kick it. It's like, yeah, we're going to kick an entity consisting of purely electricity and energy. That will work. Holy and that was shit. her one move that she did and imme- and once she found out that kicking wouldn't work, she's like, I guess this is the end. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, wow, we can't defeat this. And then she just you out of what? nowhere grabs the pole with the fucking, like, uh, jumper cables. That's it's like right. she, the, the character of Daphne is so frustrating because she's so inconsistent. It's like, she'll do these really dumb things and then she'll be, like, brilliant in these other moments. And I'm like, yeah, pick a lane and go in it. Or, or better <laughs> yet, just have her go from being this very, um, you know, I, I guess stereotypical ed, airhead, like popular girl, to be yeah. someone who actually, you know, has knowledge and contributes, which they kind of did in the first film, but it was in a really weird way. It was like, oh, she can do kung fu now, so she's useful. I'm like, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> you know, because when I think back to classic Scooby Doo cartoons, the thing that comes to mind is, boy, these mysteries would sure be a lot easier to solve if people would just jump kick the ghosts. Yeah, right? They, of course, it just makes sense. Which is why I, my favorite parts of Daphne in this movie were when she was like MacGyvering her way around things like yeah like i thought when she was using like the makeup to to unlock the locks i was like that's awesome well that's like, the that, thing it's like if, it's, if if her part was like like the crafty one like yes. velma might be smart and fred might know how to like do traps or whatever but like velma's or, or but daphne's the one who can like get in there and be like all right we gotta do this and this yeah. and this and like exactly. yeah like she's the resourceful one she's like yeah. the, the tech genius of the team well maybe not tech genius but like she um, you know, can think outside the box to use like yeah. she's the MacGyver of the team, I guess you could say. Um, 
And they don't go with that. Like, they just, they, they like, th- sprinkle in the fact that she can do kung fu and fend for herself. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. And then, like, she has these MacGyver moments, but it's, like, so inconsistent. And then she'll do something stupid, like kicking an entity that consists <laughs> of 10,000 volts. I just, I love analyzing the fact that, like, every, fighting so far has been the thing that she's done that has pretty much been okay throughout the rest of the movie like that's been her thing that she yeah fights, she's been like the, the and fighter, she's been yeah. she's been really good and it, it usually works out in her favor and then like the one time she kicks a lightning ghost <laughs> and like it doesn't go her favor immediately like, she's well, like well if kicking doesn't work then i guess this is the end it's like well this is the end it's like that's all i Fred had just got speared by this like massive <laughs> like He's almost like one of he's like the Michelin man but in like night form. Like he's like I I'd be I wouldn't be surprised if instead of armor his like body was just like super puffy. Like he just looks so <laughs> bloated. Oh my god. Oh, and then man. the gag we got to talk about the gag where she kicks him in the nuts and he's like right in the round tables. I'm like, yes. "Wow." Okay. okay. So this this scene was more interesting with captions on cuz you got to hear what Velma was saying and like because the idea is she had to read through the book and find the weakness of the monster and she was doing all sorts of calculations like it it depends on the exact geography of where you are and it depends on uh the where in that sea level that you're at and like so like that was just a coincidence that at that moment (laughs) and that like in that square foot of where the knight was standing that it was his crotch yeah, that of was course it was crushed because they did this it like was. elaborate, like fucking explanation for a crotch shot or a crotch hit gag. Yeah. Like, oh. And then, but then, because then I think back to when they defeated him in the end, Fred also put the jumper cable on his crotch. And I'm like, how did you, maybe his weak spot's somewhere else now. You have to take into the account the geography and like the sea levels and divide by pi the or film, whatever. The film doesn't want to abide by its own rules. <laughs> That's just plain simple. It just really wanted to do like this complex mathematical hitting someone in the balls mm-hmm. joke. Yep. Dude, we should talk about the farts. The farts, man. Okay, all right. Hold on. I just want to clarify something. This is the this is the fifth episode, and we've talked about the farts every single episode. Oh, have you? I don't want to talk and about the farts no, no, in this no. movie. Then I want to hear your thoughts about it. But I just want to be clear that this is the first time that it has not been me to bring it up. Oh, I brought it up. Okay, good. Yes. Good. So, what are your thoughts on the farts? I think it's a continuation off of the first film. I mean, it, it was sure is. it was something that was previously established that they brought back. It was clearly an audience um, favorite. Um, it was effective. They they used it as a tool actually instead of a, a joke. You know, it was pretty resourceful for Shaggy to to pull Scooby Doo's tail and have him fart or dare i say shart on the uh minor 49er uh, yeah. who knows it, it yeah exactly i mean i'm sure he got a little bit of something in his face uh, other than fire and you know <laughs> it was just like really it was a really smart way to harken back to the fact that he breathes fire before he kills his victims or it's that that's how he kills his victims yeah. um and in doing so you know shaggy had the bright idea just like scooby you just farted not too long ago Use some of that extra gas and we'll use it on minor for I mean, it was just like really good stuff. And instead of instead of Shaggy doing the farting like he did in the first one, when he was doing the disco farts, which I thought was mm-hmm. just brilliant filmmaking at its finest. <laughs> um, he instead 
pull Scooby-Doo's tail. Because if you pull Scooby-Doo's finger, it's not really going to work because he's got a, like a paw. He doesn't have yeah, phalanges. It, it's different anatomy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the finger on Scooby is the tail. Um, my only question, and, and I'm sure there's a really good reason for this. Why didn't they use that resource later on? Like, I feel like like Shaggy could have just held, like, a bunch of matches. He could have pulled, like, a Rorschach kind of thing from Watchmen, where he's just, like, lights a bunch of matches in this slow-mo move, pulls Scooby-Doo's tail, he fucking farts, they they blow up the compound, and the day is saved. The day is saved. Well, you know, there's a nice duality in the fact that they defeated one of the villains with uh, fire, and then they, they defeated scooby did his uh defeated the tar monster with by like freezing him so it's like a yeah. nice little balance you know it's you it's know, like some, a, it's like a yin and yang sort of a thing yeah you exactly know? you know some people need to take a fart in the face in order to that's right know, get knocked down a few notches and i hopefully it worked we don't know yeah. but um, i've always said that about people yeah I, I, absolutely you know if you take anything away from this podcast it's mm-hmm. that sometimes you got to fart in someone's face in order to take them down a few notches. Real, That's right. Realistically. And so, then... Sew that on a pillow, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Pink Eye never hurt anyone. Um, <laughs> but then you have, you know, the tar monster who is so viciously heated and he needs to be cooled down. And so they yeah. so nicely and metaphorically used the... It's beautiful. Um, yeah. I, I know. They, they used the... Uh, uh, the fire extinguisher. Yeah. Um, See, while like everyone's the, about to meet their end, by the way, in this very right. dramatic and emotional moment that harkens mm-hmm. back to their days of playing Frisbee. Another that's nice right. callback to something previously established in this film. That's right. The film established so many great things, except a cotton candy glob. Right. They established Frisbee. And, and it just so happened that the control that they stole, you know, How happened clever. to look like a Frisbee. Right. Very, very clever design. Nice way to kind of interweave stuff. And so anyways, Scooby who is a, a, apparently a, a surf expert, by the way. I think that was previously established in the first film. I, you know, I just rewatched them, but I, I could be mistaken there. They hearken back to that. They, they go, oh, Scooby-Doo can surf? Well, he's going to surf on this tar monster after we freeze him to death. And it's just, there's so much symbolism and uh, mm-hmm. metaphorical, mm-hmm. Like, you know, stuff in, going on in this sequence. I think in that moment... Scooby surfed his way into our hearts. I really do. You know, that's a beautiful, beautiful and sentimental um, line there. That should be that. That should be the caption for this entire show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scooby-Doo in that moment when Scooby-Doo froze the tar monster. Yeah. Because the tar monster is is apparently like scolding hot yes. you know uh, um, but everyone's fine afterwards right though. you know it's yeah. like they don't have third degree burns or anything because they mm-hmm. have you know fireproof skin they were just going to get suffocated that's how they were going to die they weren't going right. to you know, get third degree burns because he's scolding hot and needs to take a fire extinguisher to the face in order to be cooled down mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. yeah you know it's scooby good- surfed right into our hearts he sure did he he snagged that that frisbee um, before the pterodactyl ghost did, who also came out of nowhere, um, that pterodactyl ghost, do we ever yeah. know what happened to it? Or did it just like disappear after that, you know, last minute? It, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it flew into the tar monster, and I guess that, that it just kind of. And they became one. They became one. A pterodactyl. Oh. Oh, I like what you did there. We have a new uh, species of creature. It's called the pterodactyl. The pterodactyl. See, if they if they went with 
the original plan for the third live-action Scooby-Doo movie, it would have been a revenge tale from the Tarodactyl. I would love to see that script if you could send it to me. I, I heard James Gunn really did a doozy on people and was like, hey, folks, you thought Monsters Unleashed was A-plus entertainment? You haven't seen shit. And then they were just like, eh, we can't do it, James, man. It's like... People don't want to see live-action Scooby-Doo anymore, and he's just like, well, listen, if you don't give me what I want, I'm going to go on Twitter, I'm going to make pedophilia jokes. <laughs> and oh, lo yikes. and behold, that's what <laughs> happened, and now we're not getting Guardians 3. You know, James Gunn has a really weird track record of making two movies in a franchise he and then sure not does. getting a chance to do the third one. <laughs> he sure does. What's up with that? You it's know, almost like it's on purpose. Come on, James. Why don't you just get your shit together, man? Ugh. Make a three. Make a threequel. Make a threequel. We don't want a, a, a duology of films. Well, it is fitting. It's a Scooby duology. Oh, so I guess that makes sense. Is that what they're calling it on the uh, the the Blu-ray combo oh, pack? If they're not, they can have that for free. Just I think take you need to reach it. out. You need to reach out to Warner Brothers marketing department. You gotta yes. be like, look, guys, it's Halloween. People are gonna want to watch Scooby Doo. Let's repackage du- this. Dust off that standard definition copy mm-hmm. of Scooby-Doo you got in your Warner Brothers vault. To be fair, I actually think this film is on Blu-ray in a, in a combo pack. I, I, it's it not called the scooby Duology, but <laughs> I think that it should be. It should be. And, and you, got, you have to spell do like D-O-O. Oh, yeah, of course. Duology. duology. I don't even think that that the word duology is like in the cultural lexicon enough that people would understand the joke. That's but true. I think it works. That's very true. Um, speaking of do, something that I was very disappointed that they didn't bring back from the, the original Scooby-Doo, um, the film, not the TV series, uh, was the fact that... So they have this great gag in the first Scooby-Doo film where... There's a pirate bartender. He picks up the phone. He's like, eh, we got a phone call here for Mr. <laughs> Do. And right. like, there's this dude who's just like, that's me, Melvin Do. He's like, ah, no, Scooby. And then fucking Scooby, like a fucking dog walks over to a telephone and answers a <laughs> phone call and no one says anything. Like, no one says anything. And then they play on that Melvin Do uh, gag like quite a bit in the film. And I, I really would have liked for that guy which, by the way, I think that was the breakout role of his career. I really wonder what he's doing now. I'm sure yeah. something great. Oh, my God. I'd love to have him on the podcast. Why don't you reach out to the guy who played Melvin Dew? Melvin Dew. Yeah, yeah, I have to now. You, I think I, it's a... You, you, listen, you've got 31 days of this thing. How many episodes have you done so far? This is episode five? Yes. So you have uh, 30... I, don't, I can't do math. You do it. You do it for me. Oh, 26? Yeah, that one. Yeah. 26. 26 more days to go. Uh, surprise, guys. I have the uh, math intelligence of a first grader. So, um, <laughs> actually, they're probably better than me. Anyways, <laughs> you you have uh, 26 days of this left. Yes. Um, and so you reach out to this guy and you're like, listen, I'm doing this Scooby-Doo podcast. I'd really love to have you on. I know that you probably have a busy schedule. Would... You're in a bunch of indie films. But listen, you're, the character of Melvin Dew really spoke to me in a way that no other character had. Um, Would it be weird that I'm talking about Monsters Unleashed? No, I think that that is, it it makes it better because then you're like, okay, why didn't you come back for the sequel? Your gag was the best part of the first one. I I felt like the second one was missing you. Mm Mm-hmm. 
it could have been better, could have been improved. And then he could have told you about these, like, you know, unknown plans for Melvin Dude to, you know, get inside of the body of Scooby-Doo and then they, like, symbiotically become one. And they're they're just called Dude. Oh, no, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they merge. I get it. I they like merge. it. They're just called do. Do. It's good. That would have been um, something that would have been explored a lot in the third one, I think. Yeah, I think they were trying to set it up. They were establishing it. Like, oh, yeah. I think if the third one would have rolled around, I think the secret of the, the Tarodactyl unmasked would be Melvin Do. It had to have been. Yeah, mm-hmm. he would have been... You know, and and Scooby would have had this like split personality kind of thing. They really could have played on the Venom thing before Venom was Venom. You are really trying to talk about Venom. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if if anything, if you're gonna take anything away from this podcast aside from the farts, um, you need to take away the fact that the new Venom movie is actually a continuation of Monsters Unleashed. And as a result, <laughs> it's basically a time sa- time capsule transporting us back to the year 2004, which See, from all the early reactions I've heard is accurate. Now, when I eventually watch Venom, I am going to use one episode of this podcast dedicated to, to filling out a fan theory that says part of the tar monster survived. And that's what <laughs> that's what they're experimenting with. <laughs> Can you please, can you please reserve, like, you have one slot open, it's like, listen, this is where my fan theories are going to come in. It's like, guys, let's discuss I, all the fan theories. Yes. Yeah, so, Scooby-Doo so, is related to Venom, the Venom property. Oh They're all the my same. God. Sony now has the rights to make as many Scooby-Doo movies as they want. They integrate it into the Venom universe with Morbius. <laughs> Oh, I, I feel like it. that is something that the world is missing. Mystery Inc. takes on Venom and Morbius. <laughs> I don't. I franchise <sighs> ca- like I. I feel like this is a billion dollar franchise right there. Look, Sony, listen. Hi, let us do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let let us write your script, <laughs> please. And also, can we use existing Warner Brothers IP? <laughs> And can Simple Plan do all of the music? Yes. Can Simple Plan do all the music, please? <laughs> please. Like, fuck Eminem. He already he had his shot with Venom, <laughs> and he fucked it up. We want to go back to Simple Plan, Trapped, Fuel, maybe throwing a little bit of Evanescence in there. <laughs> yes, please. Do all of that, and then... One song by Puffy Amiyumi. Yes. As they all just travel in the in the van. Yes. This is perfect. Somewhere. You know, I'm I'm really glad that we got all this out here. And that, I'm glad that it's out in the universe. Yeah. You know? I, I really hope someone listens to this. And <laughs> <laughs> as if someone's not gonna listen to this. Like, no, I mean <laughs> I'm I'm doing this for thirty one days. You think that's not constantly on my mind? Like, God, I hope someone listens to <laughs> is this. Someone anyone. gonna listen to every single fucking episode talking about these films. I there's there's one guy out there. He's yeah. he's your devoted listener, and he's like, oh, there know, there are people participating with me. Oh, they are. Yeah. Oh shit. That's well, right. to those listening, I say, um, you know, I applaud you. I just applaud each and every one of you, um, because I don't know if I could personally do it. 
I don't even know if I'm going to be able to make it through it. But I, we will I cannot <laughs> like fathom the amount of just like weird theories like, you all are going to come up with. Like we're already talking about Venom. Granted, Venom, Venom comes out this week and the Tar Monster is a very nice tie-in to that. But like yeah. once Halloween comes out, I feel like there's going to be some weird parallels to draw there. And I'm not talking about the the holiday. I'm talking about the movie. Mm. you know so it's always gonna be like whatever is in pop culture at this moment i'm gonna be like yeah but do you ever think about how halloween is tied to scooby-doo because it's like a guy in a mask this this movie is universal it it is it it transcends its time it really does and it can be used to relate back to various things in pop pop culture not even pop culture i mean we were talking about the james gunn stuff we were talking about you know the um the press you know fake news stuff i mean this film really has shown that you can use it as a vessel to discuss you know hot topics and you could use it to discuss with people who work at Hot Topic. Well, of course. I mean, this they is Scooby Doo. This is like Halloween stuff. Like this is their. This I'm is pretty their sure the soundtrack was was etched out by people who work at Hot Topic. Like, well, you want to know a fun fact, and maybe you can pull up the statistics for Monsters Unleashed. But because I pulled up the Scooby Doo soundtrack, um, I'm gonna read from you. From the Wikipedia page, the soundtrack fared well on the Billboard charts, peaking at number 24 on the Billboard 200, number 49 on the top R&B slash hip-hop albums, and number 4 on the top soundtracks. That's incredible. That can't possibly be true. Uh, Well, if Wikipedia says it's true, then... You know what? I believe it. I want to know what the statistics are for Monsters Unleashed. Monsters Unleashed unleashed in terms of the soundtrack yeah i want to know what like how where it charted all right uh i don't think it charted anywhere i just went to the wikipedia page for the soundtrack to monsters unleashed and it just says a soundtrack was released (laughs) (laughs) and it lists the tracks and it doesn't there's no there's nothing more about it oh oh so probably nothing a soundtrack was released well (laughs) Thank God on for audio that. CD and compact cons- cassette. Oh man, I didn't even know they were still doing that um, in 2004. Well, I, I guess they were. Oh, I just read something interesting. You know, see, new information just keeps coming up. So, uh, MXPX or whoever the fuck that that band is, they did <laughs> sure. the Scooby Doo theme for the first one, but Simple Plan did the theme for the second one, which is why the second one. Sounds like it sounds simple like simple plan. plan. Yep. I knew it. Yep. Ha ha. Yep. You know, we should also talk about the critical response. Uh, this film won a Razzie, and did it? Uh, really? Yeah, won a Razzie for worst remake or sequel. That's fair. I don't know what else came out that year. Yeah. So. Well, and on a, a, a cinema score, the film got an average grade of an A minus. That's good. That's good. Uh, I, I color me like incredibly shocked on that one. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, for real. It's a fun time. I enjoy. Look, currently my mental state. If anyone's curious, my mental state with this movie is that I I'm getting to the point where I I it's like it's becoming part of my routine. You and I kind of like enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like seeing old friends again, but it's like if, if all your friends said and did the exact same things every day. 
Right. It's a little bit of Groundhog Day going on there. That's what it is. And I am I am liking finding out little new bits of uh, info and all the fun stuff. I think I'm going to continue to watch it with the subtitles on to see what else I can pick up. Yeah, some, that's some a more fun, little, little nuggets in there. Um, fun time. Yeah, there's, there's just so much to take in. With this yeah, movie, and you know, I I think I don't know. Maybe if the out if if people respond negatively to this idea that I won't do it, but I'm thinking I might choose a couple of days out of this month to watch the movie in different ways. Like if I watched it at double speed, or if I watched it uh, in reverse, or something like that, Can just to you kind of see. That? If, uh, no, no, I can't watch it. Probably not on Netflix. You would have, have to, to download it. the film, yeah. then drop it into some editing software, and then watch it in reverse. I would have to do that. So we'll see if people think that's a fun idea or if they want me to just do the pure watch of Scooby-Doo to <laughs> Monsters Unleashed. I all feel the way like, through. you know, you're watching it 31 times. You're allowed let, to you let know, me get creative. Spice it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you should do your own commentary on the film and release that as a <gasps> podcast episode. Oh, that's a good idea. I'm Maybe surprised. that could be, yeah. yeah, that could be like, dude, that could be like episode 31 or like, you know, like the, the final thing, like here's a commentary. Yeah. That's just my, all of my thoughts from this whole experience. Well, in the movies, like, you know, an hour and a half, which these mm. movies are so short. Like the first one's not even an hour 30. It's an hour and 22 minutes. That what? Yeah. These movies feel so long. Well, the second one does. The first one kind of flies by if I'm yeah. being honest, but the, se- the second one, like, yeah, so I think it's because just of how short the first one is. Like the second one is 92 minutes, which for a kid's movie, that's probably the right length, but it's, it, it feels way longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's... It's mind blowing stuff. Mind blowing stuff. Here's my uh, question that I want to pose yeah. to you. Do you want to see a reboot? Do I? Yeah, of course. Do you I want do. to see a, a Logan esque conclusion to oh. the Scooby Doo movies? Yes, a hundred percent. I want Scooby Doo yep. on his like, like Scooby Doo has got some sort of illness where they're just like, we we got to put him down, but not after one more mystery. Yep, yep. And and then Shaggy's totally like shaved his hair off. He's got like a a modern hip hairstyle. Oh yeah, Fred's fat. Um, yeah, Velma's a supermodel and Daphne's a school teacher. Oh man, a role reversal. I love it. Yep, I like that. I feel like that really just suits the franchise best. And, and then afterwards, and they, yeah, they've it. all drifted apart. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I that's that's what I want to see. I'd be on board with that. I think that would be sad. Yeah, like why bring back Scooby Doo as like a fun, happy time for kids and audiences? Why should kids you- have all the fun? Right? Why not use Scooby Doo to basically just do like a Marley and Me type situation? Oh my god! That's... Where you just get so sad and depressed. <sighs> that is um, probably one of the greatest ideas in <laughs> cinematic history. I pray that it sees the big screen. Uh well, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I suppose. And and you know, if we're lucky, maybe they'll finally explain what that like diamond was in the first one that like ripped people's souls out of their chest. Oh, the Damon Ritus or whatever the, it was called. I'm just blown away. You remember the name of it. <laughs> yeah, the Damon Ritus. Yeah. That was my favorite thing about this is holy crap. Talk about just going off on a tangent here. Um, <laughs> like 
we were talking about this earlier in the show where Velma was like, just like randomly like, oh, a pterodactyl scale. She just randomly knows what this thing is and the fact they can rip people's souls out of their chest. They never explain any of it. It's just like, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a giant diamond and it rips people's souls out of their chest. Oh, fun. Fun. Yeah, I feel like maybe I would go back and do uh, a... I'm not going to do this in, in this same thing with the first Scooby-Doo movie, but I do feel like I have some thoughts about the first Scooby-Doo movie. Like, I don't know. There are, there are lots of interesting implications, like the fact that dogs definitely have souls and not only that but humans definitely have souls and like that's an interesting thing about like they're they're freaked out about like monsters are real monsters exist but like the fact that there's a machine that can also just rip your soul out I feel like they don't react maybe I'm misremembering but I don't think they reacted as like shocked to that idea they they were pretty not shocked Um, and the best part is is that these souls whenever they're like released they can just go into anyone's body so like we That's have right. Freddy going to Daphne's body, Daphne going to Freddy's body. We got a little bit of a, <laughs> you know, interesting Some fun Freaky Friday, action Freaky Friday, interesting stuff there. And mm-hmm. then they all switch bodies in this this great scene, um, because apparently the the souls just like continuously switch around bodies until they're mm-hmm. in the proper body. Ugh. and then yeah, it's incredible. The, what I mean, fun! It's, it's a masterpiece. I consider this the Godfather and the Godfather Part Two. Um, I I don't know about you all, but these, these, these are the real godfathers of cinema. Yeah. In fact, I refer to the actual godfather and the godfather part two as the Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo two monsters unleashed of cinema. Yeah. Doesn't that's how highly. Yeah, of course. Why would I not? Come on guys. This is just, this is the way it is. This is, (laughs) this is how it is and you're going to like it. Oh, oh my god Griffin it has been such a fun time talking with you about this <laughs> movie blast. This is, I never thought a conversation about this, the live action Scooby Doo movies could be this entertaining oh it's uh, we went a lot of places and I'm especially happy that we went in a lot of new places because I have like so many more days left to do this and I I want to apologize to everyone listening because I've said this at the start you will hear me repeat stuff yeah because there's I mean like it's a it's a 90 minute movie what else what, what can I do you for can only I'm, well apparently we can you know draw parallels to uh, the political <laughs> yeah. climate of today's society Mm-hmm. And, and to venom and to venom that's the big takeaway aside <laughs> from farts first of all farts you know if you, you got an issue with someone fart in their face take them down a few notches that's the big takeaway the that's second the big one that that I, is, I might title the episode something like that scooby-doo farts unleashed <laughs> that's good i like it it doesn't that's even have to title. be scooby-doo too because we talk about the farts in both films and how they connect a really great and powerful emotionally resonant through line through this franchise mm-hmm. um that's right <laughs> but other than that the biggest takeaway is the the venom and scooby-doo like uh, mishmash sequel that we're mm-hmm. gonna get eventually because sony now has the rights to scooby-doo so i those are the two that's takeaways. correct that's yeah. a rumor i heard on a very trustworthy uh film news site i heard it on uh this uh scooby-doo podcast oh man that sounds incredibly trustworthy I think it is. These guys are That's, clearly experts on all things it sounds, do. So. It sounds incredibly credible. Yeah. I'm, this is a Scooby-Doo podcast. We only talk about the facts here. That's right. We only talk about the facts. No conjecture, no nope. speculation. Not at all. No. Only 100% truth. verified sources. This is only truth. <laughs> 
Where can people find you on the internet if they want to hear more of you and your ramblings of movies and such? Yes, uh, if you want to hear more of me and my ramblings of uh, specifically Venom, um, you can <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Griff Schiller. You can also follow the Men vs. Movies Twitter account, which is just at Men vs. Movies. And you can check out the Men vs. Movies YouTube channel, which if you just search Men vs. Movies, it should be the first one to pop up. Like I said, we got a bunch of just like great podcasts and shows on there. Um, and then also you can expect weekly movie reviews. I've been doing a lot of... Um, uh, early reviews for films that I saw at the Toronto International Film Festival. So stuff like A Star is Born, First Man, uh, Beautiful Boy, all the big awards contenders. Uh, I'm going to be talking about those. So you can go check that out on the YouTube channel. Fantastic. And we will have links in the show notes descriptions below uh, if you guys going to want to go check that out. Um, and as always, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at Scott Nicewander or Instagram uh, as well. And uh, if you are participating in this challenge, let me know uh, how you're doing. Let me know if you've noticed anything new or noteworthy that we should talk about on this podcast. Venom. Um, venom. <laughs> let me know how you think about our theory, our Venom theory, that Venom is somehow related to the Scooby-Doo franchise. Oh, wait. We'll I'm, getting, I'm getting something. The name Uh-oh. of the Scooby-Doo Venom crossover is called Scooby-Doo Knock Knock Let the Devil In. That's you heard it here first, folks. Incredible verified source. source. Verified source. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as always, I have to fill up like 26 more days of this. So yeah. if you are a content, I'm trying to focus on people who make cool things on the internet. So if you're an internet creator of some kind and you want to jump on board, or if you know someone who is uh, does some cool stuff, uh, send them my way. Send yourself my way, whatever it is. And ultimately, like I said, I do want someone who worked on this movie on the podcast. Melvin, it doesn't do. matter who. It doesn't matter who. Melvin do perhaps. <laughs> I would love that uh, as well. But uh, Griffin. Would you like to join me in ending this podcast? I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll let you. I'll let you lead the way. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Scooby Doo. 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 Doo.